0: Well, welcome, once again, and uh, thank you for tuning in this morning. I'm Pastor Matthew, uh, Pastor of Worship and Communications here at St. Matthew, and I just want to thank you, first of all, before we get started, for being a part of not only today, but uh, the last several weeks as we've been uh, on this kind of new journey of, of streaming our services online. Uh, St. Matthew had been streaming the late service since before I came here about a year ago, and this week, or last couple of weeks, we've been uh, thrust into kind of a a whole expanded world of online streaming and online content, and uh, some of that's gone great, some of that has struggled a little bit. as as uh, systems are, are coping with the increased volume. But thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for tuning in each week and uh, watching along with us because it's so good to be together in this way when we can't be together here in person, which we know we would love to do, and, and I know our hearts are, are longing for that day when we are back together. But thanks for being with us today. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've been in a series here at St. Matthew talking about outcasts. Uh, Looking at God's incredible love for those who feel like they are outside of the kingdom and seeing through the actions and the words of Jesus, him extend grace to those people, extend love to those people and to bring them into the family, into the, the kingdom of God. And today, as we continue this, as we kind of wrap it up, the the text we're looking at is, is, you know, one of the most incredible examples of God's love for the outcasts. This text that we're going to look at comes from Luke chapter 23, and it's a text that we would often look at on a day like Good Friday. But as we look at it apart from Good Friday, we get to kind of come at it with some fresh eyes and and look at it in in a way that maybe helps us see more than what we would simply look at on Good Friday, this text of Jesus on the cross. Read these words with me. They're on the screen before you. It says, uh, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? So just in other words there, he's saying, Well, this is not the time to to mock him and, and to ridicule people. You are about to meet your maker. Perhaps you should deal with that first. He goes on, he says, Indeed, we justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. In other words, you and I, we know we're guilty but this man, he says, has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, what we have in these words of Jesus, among many, many other things that are going on here, is, believe it or not, an economics lesson. Now, before you turn off the live stream and and go check out something else, let me just explain what I mean. Hey, hang in here for a second. With, With everything that's going on in our world right now, the economy is on a lot of our minds, wondering how this is all gonna shake out when this pandemic thing is over. Now, economics is about more than just money. To boil it all down, economics is is really kind of how we as people manage resources and, and how the management of those resources affects our well-being and our happiness. So obviously, we know that, that whole societies, whole cultures, have an economy, but, but families have an economy as too. Individual relationships have an economic system. Ways of exchanging things of value within that relationship, within that family, or within that, that industry or business that affect our well-being. You've, you've probably never thought about it in those terms, but, but that's what it is. That's, that's what's going on there. And so we know, you know, governments, for example, print money. And then we find ways of, of trading that money and earning that money and saving that money as a way of managing our well-being. And families have an economic system as well. You have a a currency that you trade within families or relationships. And it comes in the form of things like time or affection or chores that you do for one another around the house. And we trade those things, often without even thinking about it, as a way of blessing ourselves and bringing blessing to others. And and in doing so, maintaining our own happiness and, and well-being. And there's one thing That all these economies, whether you're talking about on a a giant scale, you're talking about societies, whole nations, or the world, or you're talking about on on a real small scale in relationships and between individuals, one thing that they all have in common, these systems of give and take and how we manage our happiness in this world, is all based on merit. It rewards those who figure out how to work in the system. So, if you figure out how to work in the system in your family, blessing occurs for you and for the family. You figure out how to, to work in the system in your industry, and blessing occurs for, for you as an employer or you as an employee. And as a result of, of how all those systems work like that, there will always be in this world some whose well being is, is at a higher level. And some who's at a well-being is at a lower level than those around them. Sometimes rightly so, sometimes inappropriately so. Now here's where I'm going with all of this. And if you're still watching, which I hope you are, this is how this connects to this passage that we're looking at today. In God's kingdom, the family that he is initiating through Jesus, it has an economy, a way of, of give and take. Jesus spent a lot of his time in his ministry before this moment on the cross talking about the economy of God and and how that works in in people's lives. He said things like, in the kingdom of God, the first will be last and the last will be first. Or he said things like, "In, in the kingdom of God, whoever humbles himself will be exalted, but whoever exalts himself will be humbled. In other words, The the family of God, the kingdom of God, works differently from how everything else works in this world. In God's family, the, the ones with the most stuff, those who have the most cash or the most clout, the most resources, they have no advantage over anyone else. In the kingdom of God, the the stuff of value that you have, that that you're so used to trading and, and bartering to get a leg up in this world, the people who have more of that have no advantage over those who have less. Instead, it's those who come to God knowing, I've got nothing to offer. Those are the ones who receive it all. In the, the kingdom of God, it's about understanding that while you might have, have mastered the give and the take of this world, you have nothing to offer the one who made this world. And the people who come to him, to come to God, knowing, I've got nothing. Like, like you're way up there, I'm way down here, and if you're going to love me, it, it's, it's got to be a, a pure gift. It's got to be a, a pure mercy transaction. The people who come to him knowing that, they are the ones who receive it all. Those who are outcasts, who know that they can't earn their way in and that they don't deserve a place in, are the ones who get it all. And so Jesus, in this moment, right before his death on the cross, he's kind of giving us one final lesson. Hanging on that cross, dying for the sins of the world, Jesus promises the blessings of the kingdom to the religious leaders who have all the right answers? No. To the the guards who who did their job and and pleased the people well by, by executing these men? No. Who does Jesus promise all of the benefits and all of the gifts and all of the good stuff to? He promises it to a thoroughly guilty man who is being put to death next to Jesus. An innocent man who is wrongly being put to death. And Jesus looks at this man who is guilty, who is literally at the lowest point of human existence possible. And he says to him today, today you will be with me in paradise. You are the one who is going to receive it all. Now as you process this for a moment, you might be thinking, okay, so what, do I need to go... I I need to go hold up a liquor store to get right with God? Criminals are the only ones who who are, are welcome into the kingdom? No, everybody knows you go hold up a bank, right? Kidding. The bottom line is this. It's not that he was a criminal. It's that he knew, for whatever reason, as he looked at Christ, he knew he had nothing to offer. That it was a pure mercy transaction. Only those who come to Christ knowing that there's no difference between them and the lowest of the low are the ones who enter the kingdom of God. You might recognize these words from the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 3, where he says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified, or made not guilty, by his grace as a gift, so, so do some people get in based on merit, what they're able to bring with them, and some get in on pure grace? Like, like there are those who are good enough to be loved by God on their own, and, and then there are those for whom God kind of does a, a favor? No. All receive his love, and their not guilty verdict as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation, which is a fancy Jesus word for payment, by his blood to be received by faith. You know, one of the reasons it's important for us to look at this idea that collectively we have nothing to offer to God and that we, we enter the kingdom together as the lowest of the low and that it's a pure mercy transaction is because this idea is so deeply offensive to us as human beings. So much of what we do in this world is about measuring our success and our position compared to all of those around us. We kind of look around as we're going through life and we think, well, you know, I'm I, I'm not quite as good as those people who are, you know, up there ahead of me, and but I'm not quite as bad as the people who are, are back here behind me, and I'm I'm sort of keeping keeping pace with the folks around me, and and in that whole like keeping up with the Joneses mentality creeps in. And and we we strive to, to be not quite as bad as the people behind us and to, to get to where we think we need to be up with, up with everybody else up there. And this idea that in the eyes of God, that, that none of those distinctions matter, that, that in the midst of our working so hard and, and measuring our success day by day, that that, that doesn't matter, it, it offends us. You mean that God looks at me and, and he doesn't see any difference between me and, and that guy who, who has, has drank his life away and has got nothing? He's squandered it all? There's no difference at all in the eyes of God between him and me? I mean, there's got to be something, right? No. That's why this is so important, because, because these actions and these words of Jesus, they jar us out of those lies that we tell to ourselves. The actions of Jesus with these criminals on either side of him reminds us who we really are, and we need that constant reminder and the reminder of how God works. I would argue if you were to take a poll of 1,000 people and you were to ask them to rate themselves on a scale of one to 100, and do not do this now in the comments, but if you were to ask them to rate themselves on a scale of one to 100 how good a person they are, I would imagine you know, most people would rate themselves pretty close to the middle. You know, there Very few people are gonna say, oh man, I'm, I'm almost 100 or I'm really bad, I'm, I'm almost a zero. Most of us, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, would think we, we see ourselves kind of right down the middle. I'm maybe a you know, 48 to 49, maybe a 50 or 51, somewhere right in that middle there. But we're fooling ourselves. I mean, if, if everyone really is morally neutral, then who's committing all the crime? Who is watching all the pornography? Who really is keeping up with the Kardashians? If we're all morally neutral, where is this stuff coming from? We're not honest with ourselves. You see, this moment with Jesus on a cross, with these criminals on either side of him, it is meant very much to be a picture of every person on this planet. There are not good people and bad people. There are simply broken people with Jesus at the middle. That's all that there is. There is Jesus, the sinless one, who takes the sins of the world upon himself, and he's surrounded by criminals. He's surrounded by murderers who put him on the cross. He's surrounded by thieves who deserved to die. That's all that there is. And there's one distinction that's made, that there's one criminal who looks over at Jesus and is so self-deceived about his own evil that he dares to look at Jesus and and to to look at him and, and make fun of him as though somehow Jesus is the one who messed up because he couldn't figure out this system. Oh, you told everyone you're the savior of the world. Now you're nailed to a cross. How's that working out for you? You know what? How's that working out for you? You're nailed to a cross. You ain't nothing. But then there's this other one. This one who who looks at Jesus and who trusts that Jesus is the king that he was claiming to be and that through his death, Jesus is initiating a kingdom in which the wicked are shown mercy. Not good or bad, but broken. Broken. One who is deceived about it and one who sees that Jesus will show mercy no matter what. What's interesting is if you read this passage in in the other Gospels, the other Gospel writers will tell you that that both of these men, both of these criminals on the cross, the crosses on either side of Jesus, started out mocking Jesus. But then something changed for this one. And we don't know what it is that changed, that he began to to put his trust into Jesus. I choose to believe that that it was the the statements and the actions of Jesus from the cross that this criminal saw and took to heart that, that changed him. That he heard Jesus and he saw Jesus look at the men who were crucifying him as he's being crucified, as he's being spat upon as he's being rejected and treated as the lowest of the low, he hears and he sees Jesus saying to these men, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We know this criminal is within earshot of that. And I choose to believe that he heard those words and he saw that moment and he said to himself, this man is operating according to a different kingdom. And if he can forgive them for what they're doing to him right now, maybe there's room in what he's doing for me. Now what this means for you and for me is that you can enjoy the freedom of being honest about how broken you really are. In every other economy out there, it's not usually safe for us to confess our weaknesses. Oftentimes, it doesn't help us in in many of our relationships to reveal how deeply broken we are. We usually don't know what to do with that kind of information. It it should be safe for us to do that, but it's, it's often not. But in this kingdom, there is at least one space, one reality, one relationship where you are free to admit and be exactly what you are, a thief on a cross. And to know that there is no rejection. That that you can say and and admit freely, you know, I'm not the awesome person that I often build myself up to be. It also means that there is forgiveness for the the worst parts of you. Don't write this in the comments as you're watching this, but, but just think about it for a moment. What is the worst thing that you have ever done? Like... Like, if you were put into a a set of circumstances where you had to reveal that, had to confess that, or face, face some pretty dire consequences, you would still be tempted not to reveal it because it's that bad. It's that dark. What is it? In this kingdom, that thing is forgiven. It doesn't matter. God cares about you, He doesn't care about that sin. You do, he doesn't, because Christ died for it. Someone was punished for it, but it doesn't have to be you because it was him. And it also means, because of that, that God now invites you into this countercultural way of living, where slowly but certainly the values of this new kingdom transform how we live in this old world, where it's all about performance. That's why Christians should, at the very least, be a little bit different from the world around us. Because this new economy is changing us even while we live in the old. It's all about performance in the old. But this new one where it's all about grace, it, it shapes us and it molds us. So we're free to be more generous. We're free to sacrifice we're free to be obedient to something larger than ourselves. And yeah, that often puts us at odds with the world around us, but it puts us at odds in a beautiful way. And if this is something that is maybe intriguing to you or seems enticing to you, then, then maybe what's happening in this moment is God is saying to you that you are not the thief on the cross who mocks him, ignoring his own brokenness, but you are that thief on the cross who looks to Jesus and asks for mercy and receives that mercy. That that's who you are. This is one of those moments that can be preached about for a thousand years. But one of the things that we have in this moment is an economics lesson. Everywhere else in life, it's about give and take. It's about those who have worked their way inside and those who have been pushed outside. Insiders and outcasts. The kingdom of Jesus is about simply receiving and recognizing that though you are broken, Jesus brings it all. And it's choosing to live in that reality. Jesus, remember me as you enter into your kingdom. I know I don't deserve a place in your family. I know I don't belong there. I belong on a cross. You don't. But remember me as you enter into your kingdom he says to you you will be with me in paradise Amen Father we thank you for giving Jesus to to be that sacrifice for us that in his death on the cross even this moment before it we see a picture of, of the love you have for thoroughly broken people like us that while we are broken while we are 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 not what we were meant to be, what we were made to be, that through Christ we are made new. We come empty-handed and walk away with everything, with all of the blessings of the kingdom. Thank you, God, for this gift. Amen. Amen.